0: This sounds very familiar to the Nord Stream pipeline. How do we not know who's blowing these things up?
1: Welcome back to Looking Backwards, Looking Forwards. I'm Rosetta Jones, and I'm here with C. Thomas Printer. Looking backwards, the war between Russia and Ukraine is now at another level. Unfortunately, a dam was destroyed and both sides have been accusing each other.
0: This sounds very familiar to the Nord Stream pipeline. How do we not know who's blowing these things up? Nova Kakovka dam is a very big dam in I guess it's southern Ukraine Mm -hmm. and my first um, awareness of this was it's kind of a key water source to the crimea which russia took over in 2014 and there's a canal that the russians have long said that the ukrainians have cut off which is like provides a water supply down to the crimea so again if russia has crimea why would they blow up their water source unless it was by you know their own incompetence right which there's actually words out of you know reports i guess out of ukraine that said that's exactly what could have happened they could have accidentally mm. done this or there's <laughs> been you know reports that there was damage prior to um, mm. there's also reports that you know the ukraine blew it up i don't know what to believe i do know that everybody downstream from this is boy it's it's going to be a humanitarian disaster i mean that is a lot of water it's displacing a lot of innocent Mm -hmm. civilians and Mm -hmm. it's unfortunately just going to have long-term effects right from agriculture to pets to animals to uh, just the amount of drainage that's going to happen in the lake that was above the dam like this is um, what happens in war and this is really widespread devastation and unfortunately whether it was the russians or the ukrainians the the innocent people are usually the ones that always end up getting hurt in wars and this is Mm -hmm. another example so i don't know who did it um we can speculate i guess but we do know that everybody downstream is suffering the consequences today
1: This is very sad. And on to another military hot topic, C. Thomas, we got China versus U.S. and the tensions look like to be building up.
0: We spoke about this briefly the other day when the the Chinese keep wanting to play bumper boats. First with the Philippine Coast Guard and now with the U.S. Navy from the video of this right and of course China's doing the same thing saying wait the US almost bumped into us and the US is saying China almost bumped into us and it's so funny it's just like the pipeline and like the dam everybody's trying to win the war of propaganda of Mm. they provoked us we are not the initiators of this and these these things just keep building and building and building and you know like I said I think if the US bumps into a Chinese boat, that could be the impetus to, you know, have China say, you know, you're declaring war on us or you're being the aggressor and we have the right to defend ourselves and we say Taiwan is ours. And I think everybody's trying to avoid being the first strike power for some reason. And at some point you just say, okay, fine. It's just too much. And I think that's what everybody's trying to do so they can get the UN on their side and they're saying, oh, we were provoked. And you can say, no, we aren't. And that's a war of propaganda, just like we've been talking about in the, uh, you know, in the dam and in the pipeline. But really what happens is all of these little, you know, individual flybys and boat buys and all of these other things they just keep simmering the tensions up and they don't seem to be going away and that's not very good when you're talking about two huge economies two huge militaries and you know i think this is what happens um as you go and closer and closer and closer to confrontation this would not be a war in Afghanistan where we're fighting in caves with a bunch of goat herders or in Iraq where our military goes in in a shock and awe campaign. This is a very, very big and possibly damaging adversary for the U.S. And we haven't faced one of these in a very, very long time.
1: Oh, you put me in a very stressful mode again. Welcome to my <laughs> world. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to
0: my world. It's very stressful. Seeing us... Do this with China, seeing the the military interactions with us and Russia, right? Whether it's off the Alaska coast up there, or you know, in the North Sea, we've talked about some of these on LBLF. You don't want this to happen, right? We no. don't want to go to war. Uh, war at this level with these weapons with this technology is just mm-hmm. not good for anybody right and yeah. everyone thinks that we're protected here in the u.s because you know we have two oceans and that's definitely helpful and we haven't had really war on the mainland here since you know we we're fighting for our independence you know with mm-hmm. a foreign power but the the missiles technologies that these come you know these countries have is not something that you want to play around with and I just think where our leaders are being very foolish and not nearly the uh, statesmen and negotiators that they should be.
1: And there have been talks about NATO opening a liaison office in Japan, to which France is reportedly opposing because NATO actually stands for North Atlantic Treaty Organization.
0: What was the quote that we used the other day for Alexander wept for there was no more kingdoms to conquer? Is this mm. what NATO's doing? They've now expanded all the way to Russia's border and now they're looking to go somewhere else. Like the amount of expansion from NATO has been silly. And this is what Russia said was the red line. And this basically caused the Russia Ukrainian conflict. It is not anything to do with Russia, it has been the expansion of NATO. Putin has been very clear about this in numerous speeches to the UN going back 20 years. Now they're trying to do the same in Japan. Are they out of their minds who are they trying to provoke now china france you know uh macron just went to visit G, and i think this is why they're saying what are we doing here we are about protecting the integrity and the borders of europe and now we have expanded up and basically initiated or been one of the main causes of initiation of the ukrainian russian conflict and now we're going to go to japan <laughs> <laughs> like, people and their grasp and their wanting of power is just unbelievable. And it supersedes all borders and oceans, evidently.
1: How about let's um, clear the atmosphere a little and take a look at the exciting sports news. PGA to merge with Live, and Messi to play in the US. Oh my goodness.
0: Well, the PGA basically spent the last two years badmouthing live golf and the Saudis and bringing up somehow 9-11 into this. This was always confusing <laughs> to me. Um, we buy Saudi oil every single day and we drive it in our cars. And um, we've talked about this a little bit here and G-Spot's written about this extensively on the, the blog on com. Mm-hmm. of, hold on, we're sports washing? Okay. Would you like to take a look in the mirror, U.S., who has been the aggressor around the world? Right. They killed one journalist. Well, I think how many innocent people have the U.S. used, you know, killed in in drone Mm -hmm. bombings and all of this. And so I, I think this is, again, a battle of public relations. I think the PGA basically took the money and. I think they took the money and they said lawsuits, please go away. But now there's Mm. a potential antitrust investigation that Mm -hmm. might be born out of this. And when you start getting involved with the Saudis, you know, and their um, sovereign wealth funds and some of the financing behind this, all of a sudden the government starts poking their nose in and saying, why are they interested in the U.S.? And why are they interested in um, these dollars and these people and what's going on here and you know the government wants to stick their nose in some of this the fact that it's an antitrust situation well there's been a pga tour and a dp tour and in, in europe forever and they've kind of had it all to himself which is why live was such a disruptor not only to the game of golf but they were taking some of the the best players brooks kepka actually won from the live tour on the last major and we've got the u.s open next week that will be interesting to see how the live golfers play there because they've played very well they have a lot of the big names and some of the big names on the pga tour haven't played very well lately so i think the pga was threatened and from a sports business environment i think it makes sense to buy your competition this has been well established whether it was the aba merging with the nba the afl merging with the nfl these things they like to have a nice calm playing field they don't want the Uh, competition, you know. So I think from that perspective, it's interesting. And I think the fact that the PGA took the money is what they're calling it now, a sellout. And they're saying, oh, you're going to go take the the Saudi money. That's interesting because that's exactly what Messi didn't do. So Messi should be very, very loved if everyone is complaining that the live golfers took the money because Messi basically snubbed a move at Four, $500 million a year to go play in Saudi Arabia, like just eye watering numbers to go over there and play. And instead, he's going to Miami. And the only thing it took to get him there is the world's largest. You know, publicly traded company Apple to basically say, "Yeah, we'll give you some money," <laughs> right? So they had to <laughs> they had to tap the uh, the Apple TV money and the MLS rights. And mm-hmm. um, what's interesting is when David Beckham came and made a big splash in the MLS, you know, a decade decade and a half ago, um, he was offered the opportunity to potentially buy a franchise at a discounted rate. And this is his franchise, Enter Miami, that he's leading. They've just got a stadium built. And this could be a a similar foothold for Messi to come to the U.S. and maybe purchase a franchise into the MLS. It is definitely a place that they've vacationed before. And Mm -hmm. Messi even came out and said, my wife didn't want to take our boys to the Gulf. Um, She would prefer to be in Miami. That's a very common thought around the entire world. Miami is a pretty pretty outstanding place to be weather-wise. Access to, you know, direct flights to Argentina so if they want to go home <laughs> it's a lot easier for them and so I think um, happy wife happy life and I think Messi's won the World Cup he's won everything in Europe I think he's going to come to the MLS he's got new challenges over here and he might even bring some of his friends Luis Suarez and Sergio Busquets from Barcelona um, to come play with him and I think Messi is looking for a happy life and he's probably the smartest one of everybody saying I don't need any more money I'd like to have a happy wife and happy life
1: How nice. And looking forwards, liquidity crunch on the way as the US Treasury is starting to sell lots of bonds to fill up its reserves, so to say. When are we going to fill it, C. Thomas?
0: The information that I'm reading um, is saying we're going to start filling it as of next week. So they will start the, uh, you know, like my favorite saying is who's going to buy the bonds and at Mm -hmm. what price. Right. we are going to see a huge amount of government bonds coming in and soaking up the liquidity in the markets. So while the S&P might be going and breaking, I think it's 4,300 for the first time in, you know quite a few months here i think what we're seeing here is perhaps the last vestiges of a little bit of a blow off top right so there's been a lot of money that has been flowing into the markets here recently right tesla's up over 100 nvidia is up over 100 percent. apple broke all-time highs and all of this money has been coming in largely because we've drained the a treasury general account, which is the checking account for the United States. Yellen uh, didn't have the ability to raise any more money because of the debt ceiling, and now she does. So she's going to start selling bonds, and people are going to have the opportunity to buy bonds at very attractive prices, and they are going to probably forego some of the buying of stocks. So that's going to happen very soon. Some of the analysts on Wall Street are saying that will cause a... 5.4% 5.4% drop in the S&P over two months, according to maybe the most difficult name to pronounce on the street. His name is Nicholas Panic from J.P. Morgan, <laughs> and I have no idea if I nailed that name or not. But I thought for him to put an exact 5.4% on that, um, he also mentioned something interesting too: is a 37 basis point jolt for high yield credit spreads. Mm. So this is interesting, right? Is as there's more quality paper being pushed out there. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if people can go purchase good collateral, which is the safest investment in the world, supposedly U S treasury, what happens to corporate bonds also offering, you know, attractive yields, because now there's, there's so much paper that is going to be incented to buy. And like I said, at what price, this is a matter. This actually matters. I'm anxious to see normally you get a lot of supply. What happens? You have to lower the price to keep selling it. Lowering the price of those bonds means the yields have to go up. So I think the high yield credit spread and some of the corporate paper is going to have some competition in the future days.
1: Let's finish up with tech. Tesla is on the course of becoming industry standard for EV charging. After Ford, GM also signed a deal to adopt Tesla chargers in its vehicles and also use its charging stations. Both stocks are up 5% at the time of the recording after the deal.
0: Well, Tesla's large uh, lead in the in the market share of the EV vehicle market and the fact that they built out their own industry standard for EV charging that you know obviously works with their vehicles has now, you know, they've expanded that technology and Ford and GM have signed a deal to adopt their you know standardization of the chargers so if i'm driving a chevy volt in the past i couldn't use a tesla charger and so i had to look specifically for a charger that fit my vehicle this is something that had to come as we move down the course of ev adoption and the fact that tesla is the largest charging network this makes sense for ford and gm to sign these deals So I understand that their stocks are up. In fact, GM's um, CEO, uh, Mary Barra, said this will save them $400 million and not having to build out some of their own network. What I don't understand is how this helps Tesla. I understand Tesla's goal is to move forward the EV market as a whole. And so I think they're going to get some of the sell some of the technology to Ford and GM that they can put in their vehicles perhaps but what this does is create more competition for them and so I failed to see how this is good for Tesla long term uh, you're basically enabling your competition to use your network unless you're planning on selling them the electricity uh, which I don't think is part of the plan I don't think you know Tesla is gonna charge them any differently so I'm, I'm I'm a little curious to see how all this is going to play out number one. Um, number two, the fact that these, uh, you know, like we discussed, Tesla's up over 100% on this news. So after Ford, it jumped. After GM, it jumped. And I don't know if this is lending credibility to it or it's just that landing Tesla in the news and they're saying, oh, look at this. It's working. It's working. You're still selling cars that people can't afford, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, They are marking the cars down now with EV tax credits. Like we said, the government's giving them tax credits so you can buy cars cheaper and this and that. And now we have a network for all of this. So um, in terms of the adoption rate, I'm gonna be curious if we still maintain the same trajectory because the only way I see this happening is by government mandate. And in California, they're certainly doing it. I just don't see it in the rest of the country. So we'll have to keep an eye on how this works out for Ford, GM, and Tesla, right? Because the problem is, is people are finding out that, and we'll talk about this next, we still haven't gotten all the promises that EV promised us, right? So driverless cars and some of these things, so.
1: Correct. And let's finish at San Francisco C. Tom's. now that we are talking about tech. San Francisco, the lab of driverless cars. Did you ever drive next to a driverless car?
0: I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I drove next to a bunch of really bad drivers though. <laughs> so, uh, it's similar to that. It's like we've talked with AI. We're not there yet, right? Musk promised us, uh, you know, driverless cars that you could buy a car and then you could park it, in, you know, in, in the parking garage and, you know, you could have somebody else come and use it and use it as a taxi and it pays for itself and these are all not there and that was promised 6 years ago and the driverless technology isn't even close right so right now they're faced with a whole bunch of problems of a driverless car comes up to a construction site and there's a little guy with a stop sign and a hand up saying please stop and if the car stops (laughs) it doesn't cause a wreck then what does it do it doesn't know what to do because you know it's got a new variable that it hasn't been programmed into its AI or its cameras or whatever the situation is. And it's causing all kinds of problems here, right? And these things are just always going to happen. You can't have a policeman show up at the scene of a crime and hold up his hand and a car coming down the road at 45 miles an hour and blow right through it because it doesn't recognize a policeman uh, late at night. And then you have another wreck. And these things are very, very tough to program. and they're they're the technologists not there right and i don't know if you'll ever be able to program this to a good enough level to make it work um they're using this in san francisco and downtown because everybody goes 25 miles an hour because traffic is very crowded <laughs> and you know there's cars on every side and so i can stay within my little lane and i can move over here move over there and that's fine but as soon as you take these out of any type of controlled situation, it gets confused. And this is the thing I'm thinking about, you know, with the AI um, in terms of like the legal case that we talked about, it has hallucinations, they call it. Well, is this what happens when the car shows up at a construction site or a scene of a crash? Does it just hallucinate? Does it speed up? Does it stop and then not get going? That's another thing they're saying. They get to these snafus and all of a sudden they just sit there. And you can't like go and talk to the driver and just say, okay, go ahead. That doesn't work. (laughs) So they just sit there and see they don't move the car and the car is sitting right in traffic and everything backs up behind it because it basically has a hallucination, doesn't know what to do. So it just freezes. You can't have cars just freeze and causing massive, um, you know, uh, traffic jams because they don't know what to do. This is a problem. It will continue to be a problem. And, man, I hope I don't get to drive next to one because I really don't want to be in one of those situations.
1: (laughs) We will see if you come across. Thank you very much for all the comments, C. Thomas. I will talk to you next week.
0: You will, and thank you, Austerity. And until next week, remember this. We'll keep this short. The belly hates a long sermon.